Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. Yes, that could mean you too. The workouts have been designed to fit into your life so you can move when you can. The 15 minutes you can squeeze in before work. The 20 minutes you get to yourself while the baby naps. The half hour you can spare at lunch. There's a routine for you no matter what your day looks like. A reminder as well, this is included in your Mum Mia subscription. If you are a Mum Mia subscriber, you already have access to Move. Download the Move app and log in with your Mum Mia login. Head to move.mamamia.com.au and use code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the lands we record this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, as well as the Wanarua and the Gamilaroi people. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. In October last year, a joint investigation by the Sydney Morning Herald, The Age and the ABC's Four Corners program uncovered serious hygiene and safety breaches at the premises of controversial medical practitioners, who some refer to as cosmetic cowboys. When I walked over to the bed, there was dirty bloodstains from another patient on that bed. Now a review into the sector has been completed and recommendations have been put forward and accepted, including a dedicated enforcement arm charged with overseeing the industry to ensure the practices exposed by the media reports don't happen again. But is it far enough? Today we hear just how bad the fallout from an unregulated sector of the medical profession can be and whether more needs to be done to make sure those who don't need any formal qualification in cosmetic surgery to perform the procedures don't ride into cowboy territory again. But first, news headlines for Wednesday, September 7. As Boris Johnson said farewell to 10 Downing Street, he made a speech hinting that he will have another crack at the UK leadership in the future. Mr Johnson told MPs that it was mission largely accomplished in discussing his time as UK PM, but ended that sentence with, for now. He then signed off saying, hasta la vista, Spanish for see you later. Liz Truss, his successor, flew to Balmoral to meet with Queen Elizabeth and be sworn in yesterday. The 96-year-old monarch photographed for the first time in months, leaning on her and shaking Ms Truss's hand. Parents across the country are bracing for an upheaval to their day as early childhood workers walk off the job in new industrial action. An estimated 70,000 children and families will be affected by the planned action, with more than 1,000 centres partially or completely closed. The United Workers' Union calling on the federal government to guarantee wage increases and implement major reforms. Union Early Childhood Education Director Helen Gibbons says the sector is in crisis as they struggle with a worker shortage, saying those holding the fort are exhausted and sick of being undervalued. 
Chinese ambassador to Australia has warned those advocating for Taiwan's independence that they will be punished. Ambassador Zhao Qian was asked about whether those in Taiwan would be re-educated in the event of reunification with the mainland. Mr Zhao saying they would be obliged to learn about China, but that a handful of secessionists who are stubborn in their pursuit of Taiwanese independence, it was not a question of re-education. Instead, they would be punished according to law. The ambassador also rejected a report from the UN Commissioner on Human Rights Violations within detention centres targeting the country's Uyghurs and other minority Muslim communities, saying there's nothing true in it. Judith Durham's public memorial service in Melbourne last night was a celebration of the singer's life accompanied by a lot of song. Messages came in from Paul Kelly, Kate Sobrano, Joanna Lumley, Jimmy Barnes and Rick Springfield. Paul Kelly telling a story about the time he told Durham that his children's favourite song was Morning Town, so she sang it to them at bedtime. There were performances from Deborah Cheatham, David Campbell and Judith's sister Beverly, while her bandmates from The Seekers played the last song they ever recorded together called Carry Me. Marking one year before the start of the 2023 Invictus Games, Harry and Meghan have thrilled fans in Germany walking the street in front of the Dusseldorf Town Hall. The Sussexes, who'd just made their first public appearance in the UK since returning for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee earlier this year, then stepped aboard a boat to cruise down the River Rhine with a group of people believed to be Invictus competitors and their families. Harry and Meghan will now return to the UK where they'll appear at the Well Child Awards in London where Harry will deliver a speech. That's your latest news headlines in a moment. Today's Deep Dive. When you scroll through the online reviews of cosmetic surgeon Dr. Daniel Lanza, it's almost wall-to-wall five stars. Almost. Read through enough and you'll find the ones that allegedly didn't go well. Like this one from July 2019. When Dr Lanza finally came in to check everything, he was cold and not in the least bit concerned with me as a patient. He was busy with his phone, snapping photos and dealing with social media. During the procedure, I realised the nurse was the one that was carrying out the cellulase procedure, not the surgeon. I had paid 10k to have the entire procedure done. This was never mentioned to me during the consult or during pre-surgery. The only time I saw him was when the liposuction part had to commence, and even then he said nothing to me except please turn. Nothing reassuring, nothing to put me at ease. By the time the procedure was over, all I wanted to do was jump off the operating table and leave, which was what happened. Since it was Friday, there was no post-check or consult on the weekend, so I flew back that Saturday. Not one person from the clinic bothered to ring me Monday, Tuesday or any day for that matter. Well, this one from February. I saw Dr Lanza for a max of five minutes before my procedure and he then added another $2,000 onto my bill that needed to be paid before he would even touch me. I was in a very small, dodgy-looking room that I was told I would be moved out of. He did what he needed to do. It took a max of 10 minutes. He left me in the room telling me someone would come and take photos, and no one did. I was left cold and in pain and alone for at least 25 minutes before I worked up the courage to jump off the table and get to the doorbell buzzer for help. After pressing it like four times, a nurse finally came to fix me up and apologised that I was left alone and said he may have forgotten to let anyone know that he was finished with me. 
I didn't see him after that procedure at all. I cried and cried about my bad experience and I'll never have liposuction again. And this one from 2018. I had a major operation with him recently and he is nowhere near as hands-on in recovery as he claims. Very, very questionable results, lumpy and uneven, steer clear. He also only cares about the dollars. He started at a high price, then immediately dropped it by two grand when I explained that I couldn't afford that. A surgeon that haggles over prices isn't someone to be trusted. He sees so many patients and he'd have you believe that this is because he's good. It isn't. It's because he's relatively cheap, he's done some TV appearances and because he treats his clinic like a factory farm, rushing from patient to patient without taking time to care about each one as an individual. Terrible results, worst decision I've ever made. Cosmetic surgery is more than a $1 billion industry here in Australia. But what most people aren't aware of is that cosmetic surgeons, while qualified medical professionals, don't actually have to be qualified surgeons in order to provide invasive treatments like breast augmentation, liposuction, tummy tucks or Brazilian butt lifts. Dr Daniel Lanza started out as a dermatologist, taking his skin expertise and turning it into a multi-million dollar business, performing cosmetic surgeries at several clinics across the country and amassing a huge following on social media. At one stage, he was one of the most followed cosmetic surgeons on TikTok globally. In October last year, a Four Corners report into the cosmetic industry opened with a video of medical staff in one of Dr Lanza's operating theatres, dancing and laughing to the Dolly Parton hit Jolene. (laughs) What you can't see is that while they're dancing and singing, there's a patient undergoing a liposuction procedure on the table. The person holding the cannula that's removing the fat is dancing and laughing too. This was just one of the examples of alleged misconduct happening inside the surgery rooms of Dr Lanza's practice. Staff spoke out about having to do things that were beyond their competencies, how it was often a chaotic mess with people moved in and out of rooms that were never really properly sanitised. Patients described to Four Corners what those rooms looked like. When I walked over to the bed, it was there was dirty blood stains from another patient on that bed. Blood on the curtains, blood on the table, just disgusting. Dr Lanza posted hundreds of videos online himself including him explaining how every complaint was responded to with the same thing, that the doctor cares. In one, he's chatting to the camera, regularly looking away from the liposuction procedure he's in the middle of, but he never stops the motion of the cannula. The report revealed one patient had been rushed to hospital after her lungs had been punctured during a liposuction procedure in Dr Lanza's Melbourne clinic. Less than a month after the joint investigation went to air, AFRA, or the Australian Health Practitioner Regulation Authority, and the Medical Board of Australia announced a review into the cosmetic surgery industry. While Dr Lanza's clinics stopped taking new patients in the wake of the report, within a few days, they reopened. And in Sydney, a 42-year-old woman ended up in the ICU after a tummy tuck that had allegedly gone wrong. 
A spokesperson for St Vincent's Hospital where the woman was being treated said that they were very concerned about key aspects of the patient's care provided by the cosmetic clinic. At the end of November, Dr Daniel Aronoff, another Australian cosmetic surgeon who'd become famous on TikTok, a senior associate of Dr Daniel Lanza, was banned by the National Health Regulator ordered to not perform any more cosmetic procedures and remove all social media posts. He was allowed to continue practising as a GP as long as he was supervised. In December last year, while facing allegations of improper and unhygienic practices at his clinics, Daniel Lanza surrendered his registration to AFRA and retired. In April this year, another Australian cosmetic surgeon, Dr Reza Ahmadi, is banned after terrifying reports from his clients, one who alleges she woke up in the middle of a procedure and another who claims the doctor accidentally liposucked her liver more than a dozen times, leaving her with nerve damage. Kate Avery is the principal lawyer at Care Lawyers, a specialised personal injury firm. She says cosmetic surgery clinics have unfortunately been a good source of work for them. One of the major problems that we see in terms of claims is where there's been a catastrophic, life-threatening outcome. For example, if they have necrotic tissue from there being, for example, a breast implant that's been misplaced, that can result in a quick trip to the ICU, life support, really serious, life-threatening outcome but also it can result not only in the loss of breast tissue, but also in the loss of pectoral muscles, which can have a major effect on a person's function, their ability to work, to care for themselves, care for their families. But even if they've got a poor cosmetic outcome, so if somebody goes in for a cosmetic treatment and they're expecting, for example, their cosmetic appearance, that they might prefer that their nose was a different shape, If instead of having what they have or they perceive to be a cosmetic problem, instead of having that corrected, if that's made worse, then that is the sort of thing that they can also seek compensation for. In terms of other issues that have arisen from poor treatment by cosmetic surgeons, though, another problem is that some people seek cosmetic surgery in circumstances where no outcome is going to be helpful for them. And that's a situation where they might be suffering from dysmorphism. And plastic surgeons are very clear that they need to vet the patients that are coming through to make sure that what they're actually wanting and needing is the correction of something that is causing them cosmetic concern, rather than somebody who, whatever their appearance is going to be suffering from a sense that they don't look attractive or that they will never be presentable. And that's not something that can be treated by surgery. Kate, for those cases that do end up in court, what's the general defence from these cosmetic surgeons? Do they give any kind of explanation as to why things go wrong or how things go wrong? I've not personally had any of them go to court. I have found that in every situation, it's generally regarded as indefensible. So all of them are resolving before they go to court. They're not the sort of cases that regularly proceed to trial. They are regularly being resolved before they go to court. Now, you said that on top of the people who do actually have a case, you do get a lot of people calling you or contacting you saying they do have issues with things that 
could have gone wrong or near misses? What kinds of things are they experiencing that brings them to you? The worst story I have ever heard of is nurses administering anaesthetics. I thought that it was generally understood, and perhaps it is generally understood, that anaesthetics should only be administered by a fully qualified anaesthetist. However experienced the nurse, they shouldn't be administering anaesthetics. When somebody is about to undergo a general anaesthetic, and they realise that they don't have an anaesthetist in the room, that is very distressing with good reason. And they're not really in a position to call off the surgery at that point. So once it's over, even if everything worked out, they'll tend to contact us and just say, well, this happened and that's not right, is it? And all I can say is, no, that's not right. In Queensland, we have the Office of the Health Ombudsman, and that's where people can make a regulatory complaint Although what happens with those regulatory complaints, I don't know. It's not something where there's any entitlement to compensation because if all's well, it doesn't allow for any award of compensation. But it's understandably distressing to people when things like that happen. Obviously, you get business from these cosmetic surgeons when cases end up in your office. But would you like to see that industry a little better reformed so that there are some standards that don't end up with people in your office? Absolutely. I've always said that I would rather we had less work because there are fewer injuries than more work or some kind of regulatory action, as has happened in the past, to restrict the access to damages. It would be much better if there just weren't the injuries in the first place. I'd also like to see better public understanding of the nature of the term surgeon. I think that even within the broader community in very educated circles, there's a general misunderstanding that the term surgeon is a regulated term. It's not an unreasonable assumption for people to make. But the secret is that the doctor needs to have the post-nominals as a fellow of the Royal Australian College of Surgeons. And I'm not a doctor. I just 100% support the idea that the word surgeon is properly regulated and properly restricted to those fellows of the Royal Australian College. The review into the industry received 249 written submissions and 595 survey responses. They heard about the unhygienic surgical practices, the use of social media with misleading before and after photos, and complaints about unsafe surgical procedures. They finalised the review and handed down 16 recommendations. They include establishing an endorsement model for cosmetic surgeons, a public education campaign to assist consumers to understand an endorsement, supporting consumers to make notifications against cosmetic surgeons, address misleading advertising, and establish a $4.5 million cosmetic surgery enforcement unit to implement all of the recommendations, a process that could take up to three years. While AFRA have accepted all 16 recommendations, some are saying this doesn't go far enough and that a royal commission is called for in this case, along with a radical shake-up of training and qualifications. Professor Anandeva is the Director of Cosmetic and Plastic Surgery at the Faculty of Medicine and Health Sciences at Macquarie University and co-director of the Surgical Infection Research Group. Professor, since the Four Corners report, we've seen some of the rogue operators banned or voluntary hand in their licence. 
has it effectively flushed those dodgy operators out of the industry? No, look, I think what the media has done, and it's kind of a bit sad to have media drive change. For those of us who've been campaigning in this area for close to a decade, you know, I find it a bit disappointing that it took investigative reporting, you know, headlines, sensational case after sensational case, and now we're finally, you know, seeing some action. And I think it's really the tip of the iceberg. I mean, the ones that made the headlines were obviously as terrible as they were underlie a spectrum of behaviour in this industry that is ultimately where commercial forces drive the prime motive. Whenever you have the prime directive of making money as opposed to looking after patients, things are not going to end well. Well, we've seen now some recommendations from the report off the back of those exposés, and there are 16 recommendations, and they include things like the establishment of the enforcement unit and the hotline and a ban on testimonials and the formation of a complaints committee. And it seems like quite a lot, but does it go far enough? No. Look, I think some things are obviously welcome. I like the fact that they've finally understood that, you know, social media is the frontier where a lot of advertising and, you know, fairly questionable behaviour, the use of influencers, for example, to try and promote a practitioner or practice. So I do think that part of the report is good. I think the reporting and the hotline, to me, I'd like to see how this works in practice. Like it's a good in theory, but often if a patient has had a terrible experience or has had a, you know, really terrible complication, some of these road practitioners force them to sign a non-disclosure agreement in exchange for perhaps a partial refund or a refund of what they've paid. So in my experience, patients are often quite scared. They're often vulnerable and they feel a little bit ashamed. So to then say, oh, we'll just ring this hotline and report your practitioner, I don't know how that's going to work. What would you like to see happen from here? I know there are some who are calling for a royal commission into cosmetic surgery here in Australia. Do you support that? Do you think that would be beneficial? Oh, look, the Royal Commission, once again, costs time and money. I think the solutions are sitting, you know, they're right in front of us. I think that the Federal Health Minister has called for protecting the title of surgeon. That would be a very simple thing to say, if you're not a surgeon, you're not allowed to operate. And as I say, there are robust systems of selection, training and certification that already exist in Australia. So let's use those to protect patients as they do in every other surgical specialty. You know, the other things that can be done very quickly is looking at what's out there on social media. Myself and Professor Mark Ashton put in a submission to the APRA inquiry. And there are very simple things you can do to enforce the sort of messages that are going out in social media. So let's get rid of those horrible sexualized images that, you know, promote cosmetic procedures. I mean, honestly, I've got two daughters and a wife, and I think it's actually disrespectful to women to have those sorts of images, particularly setting up a standard of a particular type of you know, body image that is meant to promote success and is the best. The reality is that a breast enlargement operation looks very different a year later, two years later, after a few children and you know, potentially after a bit of weight loss. The result that you see at six weeks is nothing like the result you might see at two or three years. So a little bit of reality, a little bit of you know, truth in terms of these images should be enforced. And all these things, I think, are on the radar now. For those who've been scarred by the so-called cosmetic cowboys, these findings will do little to ease their suffering. But at least the public is now aware that all those glowing five-star reviews and shiny before-and-after photos may be hiding a much uglier side to an industry that promises beauty. But if you are looking into a cosmetic procedure, Professor Deva has this advice. 
if they go to the APRA website, you can actually search the name of the practitioner, all practitioners in Australia that are registered as doctors. So put the name of the doctor in and search their credentialing. I would not be booking into someone that does not have a specialist surgical registration. So there are many categories of registration. So specialist versus general. So general registration means that they've simply finished medical school They've maybe worked in a hospital for a year or two and then have not progressed in their career or training after that. That's what general registration means. I would definitely not book into someone with general registration. There are specialist registrations and then there are categories of specialist registrations. A general practice, for example, is a specialist registration, which is great because they do go through a very robust training program. So look for specialist and then look for surgeon and ideally look for someone who's trained in these procedures. So plastic surgery, ENT surgery, maxillofacial surgery, ophthalmology, these are areas which definitely have training and credentialing in these procedures. That's the cookie for today. This episode was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producers, Liv Proud and Callie Borg, with audio production by Tom Lyon. This podcast was made by Mamma Mia. If you want to support women's media, we'd love it if you became a Mamma Mia subscriber. It costs as little as $5.75 a month. For more information, see the link in our show notes. 